to that moment to see what happened and realize that nine out of 10 things that occurred to me that I was carrying with me like big crosses all my life were things that happened in the past, things that I didn't have control over, but that they were controlling me. My emotions were controlling me. And when I was able to discover through the study of emotional intelligence, that emotions are things that happen to us and not things that are us. I realized that I could detach from the feeling and see it. And that was the absolute best because I was able to forgive even the worst offenders in my life. And Trey, all of a sudden, my crosses, my weight, everything started because I was not caring anymore. I was able to let yeah. go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and every episode, we look to talk to educators who are solving problems for school communities. And this week is no different. We have Principal Dr. Efrain Martinez. You have to emphasize the, the entire name. Super excited to talk to this man. We met at the Teach Better Conference. I've already had a chance to be on the Wisdom and Productivity Podcast. So we're going to talk about SEL, restorative practices, and the Wisdom and Productivity Podcast. Just before we get started, and I'll let Dr. Martinez introduce himself, I want to remind you to check us out, subscribe to our channel on YouTube at SEL Educators, our website, SEL Educators, and that's it, on, on Instagram, social media, at Trey Gamage. Dr. Martinez, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. What a great honor. I can't believe I saw you the other day in Akron, <laughs> Ohio. Yes, yes. I have to keep um, saying it. That's the metaverse. I feel like going to conferences and and now I feel like this is a more normal way to interact with people virtually. Whereas in Ohio, it was like we put our Oculus goggles on and got to interact for a short time. And now we're back in the real world. But it's good to see you again, normal, abnormal as it is. And I have to tell you, your your energy is contagious. I I, I appreciate your, your vibrations um, and they make me smile. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Your, your presence is also very impressive. You keep <laughs> that day and say, hey, I'm here to interview. And we all <laughs> run towards you. And I got a spot to interview in my podcast, so I feel very fortunate. Yes, sir. I certainly appreciate it. And let's go ahead and start there with wisdom and productivity. And so those are two words that, words mean a lot to me. I'm a, I'm a trained speaker. That's where my background is after college. And, you know, I, I always looked at the root words, the, the Latin word, the Spanish word, the, the origin of the definition. So why wisdom and productivity for your podcast name? Thank you so much. So, um... I always wanted to be a writer as I was growing up, but with time I realized that my practice as a writer and my wanting of being a writer were not the same mm. level. So I was what you will call a frustrated writer who will sit down and, okay, I'm going to write this story or this essay and I will get stuck. Mm. And, uh, I was never able to produce this artistic word, uh, work that I wanted to create. So um, when I started being a principal, uh, I was failing more than the usual first year principal. And after years of studying this, I got myself into back to school to pursue a doctorate. 
I realized that the number one reason I was failing was because I will not think about how my message will land in the person or group of people that mm -hmm. I wanted to support. Mm -hmm. So Trey, I will say things like, for example, well, if kids come first, you should do without realizing that for the wow. educator that I was trying to support, what they were listening was, you think I don't care for children as much as I do. Mm. So I was creating all these small fires thinking this is the way you, a wow. principal does it because frankly, that's what I learned in grad wow. school. You create a plan and you present it in an interview and they say, we like your plan, you're hired. But the plan doesn't mean anything if it doesn't have value for the staff. So I didn't know that part. Mm. So it occurred to me that the best way to start learning how to do things better was to shadow principals who were doing this for 20, 30 years and were super successful. So my boss allowed me to sub, instead of going to conferences for two years, Wow. Go and visit shadow principles are successful. So that's when I realized, holy cow, how these principles talk to the teachers. How do they position their body? How do they move their hands? How do they land their messages? Mm -hmm. Right. And I also saw with my own eyes, faculty and staff believing in the mission yeah. and vision of a school instead of someone trying to force it, which is the way I thought it was supposed to be. But also by shadowing the principles, I was able to have conversations behind the scenes where they will explain how and why they were talking to certain individuals, dealing with certain wow. situations. And the part that I remember the most, I went to visit Principal X. Okay, I'm going to remain this principal anonymous. Mm -hmm. Awesome principal. The principal has a lot of shoes in the office. And I see that a pair of shoes are a replica of the Pope's shoes. Oh, wow. And I'm like, wow, Principal so-and-so. How cool. You have the shoes of the Pope. And the principal says, yes, because sometimes you have to walk through these hallways as if you were the Pope. Mm. This was his reasoning. Being a principal is like being in the United Nations. You have to deal with constant issues and dilemma. You're not going to be able to solve everything today, but you can get closer to solving issues here and there. Mm. So instead of focusing on turning off all the fire, you have to focus in what area you're gonna focus wow. and emphasize. Wow. That really stuck with me, right? And I noticed, you know what? I'm not a, a wealthy person. I cannot just take a year off and study. What if I start interviewing people on, I have here a, a copy of a LP. Okay. What if I talk to people about their wisdom on how they think about things? Wow. That's good. And about their productivity, how they get it done. 
So by asking them about their side B of their story, right? Like who made you who you are? Wow. Why do you have these principles? Who do you learn from? Do you feel, um, do you feel, this is a new question that was not in my template before I interviewed you. That's do all right. You, do you feel imposter syndrome? And if so, how do you address it, right? Yeah. And then asking them about their productivity of, okay, so we can all talk a big game and say that we believe in A, B, and C. Now tell me how you actually get mm. philosophy into action, yeah. yeah, right? So that's how the show came up. Uh, I always have to thank Adam Welcome, who's also part of the Teach Better Network, um, or at some point was affiliated. Adam Welcome, in a session, he asked, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do a show. And he said, I was blogging for 10 years and nobody paid attention. And now I'm traveling the world giving wow. lectures. Wow. So it helped me to situate myself that it is not about immediate success, but about building something that if I in, 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 do more than 10 years, 10,000 hours, yeah, it's going to become what I want it to be. Yeah, man, you look, let's go ahead and stop the episode now. Let's just <laughs> wrap it up. Um, that was very good. I appreciate so much that you said. Um, just even in, it's almost the Napoleon Hill is, is the first thing that I thought of in Think and Grow Rich, the, the original or one of the original self-help books. He spent 20 years interviewing people to create Think and Grow Rich and the subsequent works that followed. In your case, it's very similar and, and we call it modeling in education or shadowing, but to have that sense of awareness to kind of fall back a little bit, because you, you know, as a principal or as a school leader, you can have some pride in the way that you do things and, and continue to rule with an iron fist, but you showed self-awareness, you showed social awareness in going to uh, discuss and, and shadow folks that were doing it right, so to speak. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. Um, sidebar question. There, there's so much that I have to ask you, but um, how long did you struggle as a principal before you started seeking help? Uh, I struggled my first two. I was six years a principal in Chicago. Okay. And two out of the six years, awful. I mean, I'm talking about parents protesting at, outside mm. of the school, parents asking for my license uh, to be removed. Wow. Of a uni I, I removed the uniforms of the school and I got people very angry. And uh, even the Mexican consulate asking me to to not discriminate against Mexicans. So wow. like like in a cancel culture is real, right? And we must teach children that they are to be aware that sometimes when you do good things, you're going to get some people upset. Hmm. Right? And you need to know how to deal with it instead of just running away. So on my second um um 
or second or third year, I was involved in an in an incident in which I was driving to work, and in the middle of the road, there's a car, um, uh, a landscaper truck is on fire. So I'm driving to work. I'm rushing because I'm all depressed. I'm all like, I don't know what the heck to do. And I see this fire. So the first thing that comes to mind is like, how do I move to the side so I can continue to work? Mm. But finally, I see a man gaming, coming out yelling and half of his body is on fire. Wow. So Efraín Martinez got out the car and I supported that guy. Waited for the ambulance. Ambulance arrives. I go to the work. I'm late, obviously. And everybody starts like, you're all, I was all covered in dust. And I was so depressed. Mm. I was so, like, everything was a crisis in my life. And seeing that fire and supporting that man, like, like catapulted me to the point wow. that I was, you know what? I need a break. So I took a two-month leave of absence for the first time in 15 years of work. Wow. Um, and I'm telling you, I only took one month out of the two. Mm. That was uh, the best decision I made because since I'm such a geek, I research what the wealthy people do when they go on a retreat. Mm. Secure their mental health. And they knew, and I did all of that in my house. So I would go outside and I would do therapy by myself. And I do... I have a, 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 a hot tub, so I, I, I will do like warm compresses and cold compresses. I will do a lot of meditation. And this is the best thing I did. I took a plastic plate and I wrote the names of everybody in my life that had hurt me. And I started with my mom. Hmm. And at the back of the plate, I wrote the names of everybody that I have hurt, that I have wow. failed, right? And in that month, most of the things were when I was a child. I meditated and transported myself mentally to that moment to see what happened and realize that nine out of 10 things that occurred to me that I was carrying with me like big crosses all my life were things that happened in the past, things that I didn't have control over, but that they were controlling me. My emotions were controlling me. And when I was able to discover through the study of emotional intelligence that emotions are things that happen to us and not things that are us, I realized that I could detach from the feeling and see it. And that was the absolute best because I was able to forgive even the worst offenders in my life. And Trey, all of a sudden, my crosses, my weight, everything started because I was not caring anymore. I was able to let yeah. go. That's good, man. Um, Dr. Martinez, this this is wisdom and productivity in itself. And um, again, there, there's just so much I have to say to it, but I'll say just if one, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing what you're sharing right now. And you know, I, 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 we didn't you know pre-plan this, but I think, um, I, I, I never heard in 230 episodes, I haven't heard anybody be as honest about them struggling as you just were and, and getting to that low point, um, in education as a principle specifically. So I, I super appreciate that. And that does not fall on deaf ears to, to understand what, what that, 
what that means to share. But I, at, at the same time, on the other end, I also recognize that um, your ability to share and be vulnerable while internally may feel like it is scary or you may be insecure about uh, or you might not feel good about have just saying that said that. But what other people are going to receive is strength, courage, bravery, and appreciation, just like I'm receiving myself. So thank you for sharing that. And I, I think a lot of it boils up, and, and I, we share a lot of, of things in common. And so I've, I've had similar experiences in my life and have reached similar high and low points. And I think starting the podcast is another place where um, we find a connection. And so um, I started the podcast to add value consistently for free. And you know, you had the idea of wisdom and productivity, two words which I supremely value. The words for me was passion, purpose, and process. Where I was at as a 23, 24-year-old, I was interested in understanding, similarly, about wealthy folks, what is your passion? Because passion is what you're willing to suffer for. And that's what you can call the what if we're looking at Simon Sinek. So that's three levels, three entendres for us. The purpose is your reason for doing, which the root of, of that's the root of why. Why means reason for doing, which is your purpose. Um, and so those all align together. And then your process. Process is the how and the transition to becoming the person. And so that's what every interview was focused on. Help me understand your passion. How did that lead to your purpose? What was the process of becoming who you are? And, and that was my formula to extract the wisdom of my elders or, or my peers like yourself. And so I, I, I can appreciate wisdom and productivity. And another thing that you mentioned as we kind of move forward a little bit um, in school leadership is SEL. And some people may or may not know for me, I'm not a trained educator. Um, I got my first certification in education like this year. You know what I'm saying? So I, I had a psychology background and was very familiar with emotional intelligence. And, and that's where I really learned and started to understand and treat myself better. But in education, it's called SEL. Those are synonyms for, for you and I who love words. Can you talk to me about personally your research on emotional intelligence and how that's led into your leadership as a principal for your students with SEL programs or initiatives? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I started first uh, exploring SEL as a principal in Chicago. Uh, CPS, uh, Chicago Public Schools had a big emphasis in social emotional learning based on Castle. They had a department and they had training for all 524 schools, mm. something extremely commendable. Uh, in my specific school, we were so fortunate to get some kind of grant or some kind of opportunity that you had to apply for to go for a training on trauma responsive education program at the University of Chicago, TRAP. So I remember going, thinking, what a waste of time. <laughs> We're going to buy pizzas to kids who do, who do bad things. I remember being so like, I can't believe we're doing this. But it was the, the, the effort of the district. The schools got more familiar. And my school decided that's where we're going to go. Oh, my goodness. I remember the first session. They put us to meditate the first couple of minutes. 
And I remember for a minute, just zoning out, mm. like, but not sleeping. Like I was traveling somewhere and I was like, whoa, there is something about this. Fast forward two years later, I decided to go to college. Uh, I mean, to go back to do a doctorate. And I, I was a doctorate in education. And I knew that I wanted to write a dissertation on something that will improve my chances of succeeding as a principal. I just didn't know what it would be. So I was looking for something related to SEL because I was convinced and I am still convinced that SEL is the ingredient that we need to uh, improve our schools to, in, in, to be really modern. We need to focus in the professional learning of the teacher so they can meet the needs of the students, right? The, mm -hmm. the belief is um, belonging is a lever that promotes success, engagement, and well-being. And you have a child that feels like dying in a school, all the learning is possible. Mm. So I was looking for something that could improve. So I was thinking I was going to research on how principals improve schools through social emotional learning. But when I went to one of the classes, one of the first things the professor said was this, quote, emotional intelligence is the sine qua non of leadership. And Trey, like a Jerry Maguire moment, mm. the professor got me a sine qua non. I was like, what the heck is sine qua non of leadership? Mm. That was emotional intelligence. So there's several uh, theories on emotional intelligence. I studied the Daniel Goldman once that is divided in five categories. Number one, self-awareness. Mm -hmm. The ability to know, understand the emotions that you are feeling, right? In the moment that they're happening. Step one. Step two, self-regulation. Once you understand your emotions you're going to, what are going to be the activities you are going to do? The actions that you're going to do to regulate yourself to ensure that you can remain calm and can make the better decisions. Number three, motivation. I always thought motivation was about motivating others. Ooh, I'm the mm. principal. But how do you get to motivate yourself to motivate other people, right? I never thought about it that way. Then empathy, the ability to understand and comprehend how people are feeling and reacting to the actions that are happening day to day. As a principal, you have to be able to really read what is the, the environment in the classroom or in the meeting or in the faculty meeting, because like... Todd Whitaker says, when the principal sneezes, the school catches a flu. <laughs> Finally, the fifth step is social skills, is how you get all that knowledge. And that's you implement those what are called soft skills, yeah. right? Smiling, like Del Carnegie says, uh, you catch more bees with honey, right? <laughs> So smiling, asking questions, making people feel comfortable. And let me tell you, it, had, it was transformational because I was able to basically do a study on myself, where I was doing, where were my glows, where were the things I was doing well, and what were the many things that I was just like not even thinking about, right? Like, for example, uh, I will spend my whole entire day 
so upset that the system was not perfect, that every mm. teacher was not perfect, that not every approach. And I was always driving to work thinking, oh, man, today. Uh, and until you realize that the world is not the way it should be. Mm. The world is the way it is. Yeah. So when I started working from the perspective of, you know what? Today, I'm going to shut off as much fire as possible. But I understand that the fire is going to be there today, tomorrow, and forever. Mm -hmm. Because we live in a system that is designed for some people to succeed and for many people to fail. Yeah. That's just the reality. Yeah. It is what it is, right? So if I can save as many children as possible via the professional development support and learning of the faculty, then that's what I can do in the game of life. That's my position. I do understand that everybody's going to be safe and that pains, that's hurtful, mm -hmm. but it's a reality. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Dr. Martinez, the way that you articulate EQ and SEL is it's really profound, honestly. I think um, it's... SEL is hard to explain sometimes in schools. And as a school leader, I think it's like most important for you to be bought in because you can do the trickle down of the language and making sure that we're speaking the right things to folks. So, you know, I think it's it's necessary. There's research that shows that EQ, emotional intelligence, is responsible for 80% of your personal and professional success. So having those five core skills or competencies, just like we have in SEL leads to some big differences in you know, what we see from kids. And I'll say this, you mentioned CPS. I love um, CPS has a restorative practices guide and toolkit that I have stolen, um, that I've used. And I've done my own trainings as well, but I love how they blend, like, because SEL teaches the skill, but restorative practices uh, gives you the application. And so can you talk about that piece for a little bit? You could talk about CPS if you want to. I've yes. got a whole like 20 minute video that I may link to it. Yeah. I printed on it one time, but just break down for us how CPS and the restorative practices go together with SEL. So I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to this question in the essence of why restorative practice embedded in SEL, right? In social emotional learning. So Anthony Mohammed says it better, says it best. He says, the school system is designed to meet the needs of the buffet children. And you're like, oh, buffet children, what is he saying? So what he says is like, you know what? You have children to go with their family after church and they go to the buffet and they know how to serve themselves. They know how to wait before someone. They know how to put the spoon. They know how to serve themselves. They can sit down and do everything because they know the rules and regulations. But we have many children who don't have that buffet experience, who just don't have it, right? They don't have the opportunity to be in those places. And we have a system in our nation that is designed that when I say something as a teacher and you don't do it, then I need to teach you a lesson because obviously you need to be taught. Right. So things like why you didn't do homework, right? For a child who might be exposed to trauma at home or living in a place that is not conducive 
for children to sit down in a table after having a snack with their parent to ensure that they can do assignment maybe after activities. We have to have a system that can meet the needs of both children in wealth and poverty. And because trauma lives in both, we need to train the educator to be able to address the emotions of our students. So why restorative practices is because we need to ensure that the student feels a sense of belonging of the school as if it was a family member. When you break trust, you have to reintegrate them. You have to teach them how to apologize, how to think about actions and consequences, right? Because often children come to school without that buffet experience that Anthony Mohammed comes. And if we just hold them accountable as if they knew, we're gonna keep failing them. Mm. Yet, when we have a system of restoring the peace, you're able to differentiate which kids need what type of support instead yeah. of understanding where their offense lies. Yeah. And what happens that this brings kids together, like having kids together in a peace uh, circle is like one of the most successful uh, techniques that we can do mm -hmm. because often is the only time that they have to talk because think about it in the classroom how much time a teacher really has to do a peace circle with two students not much or when there was a play fighting or fighting in recess or something happened after school usually kids don't have the opportunity to sit down in front of a person and saying you hurt my feelings or you did a b and c right what we see is that they wait after school and fight or they hold that anger and when they break up with someone in college, they destroy their life or destroy somebody else because they cannot deal with rejection. Mm -hmm. They cannot deal with someone saying you are not as good as you think you are or as perfect. And people freak out because we are in a society of bulldozing parents, right? It's no longer a helicopter. I'm here seeing, yeah. oh, okay, you're going to have that. No, we are cleaning the whole path. So our children can go straight mm -hmm. and be successful. But the first rejection they get, the first oh. time someone says no, then they freak out because we yep. have educated a generation that believes that they deserve everything. So restorative practice is that part of, of understanding the why of things. So the kid can say, oh, wow. The, like Martin Luther King said, the more you learn, the more you earn. Mm -hmm. the more I learn now right like when the kid can see their future because they understand their present we can do much more yes I, man that's good and I, I, I appreciate you putting it in a, uh, a metaphorical way because um, it's the application you know and, and we have to be able to apply I can remember actually my senior year at college um, I was applying for a job to work at a um, a grocery store as a district manager, and it was a great job. Nice, uh, eighty thousand company car, raise every year. I'd be at six figures in four years. I made it to the last round and, and didn't end up getting the job. And my plan was to, you know, get the yes on that job, sign to go study abroad my last semester of college, and then walk into my exit meeting at football. I ain't coming back. You know, y'all not gonna see me next year, whether you want me or not. I got my job. I'm going abroad. I'm done. 
But man, I I got that L and they told me no. And I walked into that meeting with tears in my eyes. Oh man, I didn't get the job. Oh, boo-hoo. And my coach just laughed at me right in my face. It was like, oh, Trey, this is just the first time you've been told no in your life. What welcome to being an adult? You know how many times I've been fired? You know how many times I've been told no. You know how many things that I've been through that um have brought me to a low point. All they told you was no. Like you still have all the opportunities in the world to move forward. So thank you for sharing that. And, and, the, and the last piece that I wanted to hit on is social media. Um, yeah. You've got some philosophies around social media. Can you break that down for me? Absolutely. So um, as I said, I always wanted to be a writer and I have found uh, that I can do my artistic endeavors in two ways. So my podcast is my equivalent of a, the novels or short stories that are published. I get to talk about uh, wisdom and productivity, and I get to interview smarter people than me. I mean, it's a win-win. Mm -hmm. my, my social media work in Twitter and LinkedIn mostly is about, is the equivalent of poetry that is mm -hmm. doing graffiti uh, in the streets. So you can send a message to people. So I'm combining this metaphorical graffiti poetry in terms of of tweets that are either quotes that I get from what I read or videos that I'm learning or quotes that I create myself based on the learning of what I am doing. And I put the words not as a paragraph, but as if there were stairs coming down the stairs. And it's based on a quote of Martin Luther King that says, give the first, the first step in faith. Mm. Even if you cannot see the light, mm. it's the first step. And there was a time when I was going through this depression, anxiety, not wanted to live anymore, giving up on life, that I realized that, hey, I must give the step because at the end of the day, I am the light. I'm just not allowing that light to shine. Mm. I need to believe that I just need to move forward. So I see those quotes on wisdom and productivity as steps that you take to get out of that cave mm -hmm. that says that you can't, that says that you are not good enough, that says that that the world is 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 stronger and better than you. And uh, I see that learning as the wisdom that you need to achieve, right? To really believe in your product. Uh, and my product is that when you do good things, good things happen. Mm. Are you a philosopher? I would say I am a, a modern philosopher. All right. All right. Uh, like like I I did not study philosophy, uh, but I inform myself on philosophy, psychology, neuroscience. Yes. My my doctoral dissertation, who knows who can read that, is is <laughs> almost nothing about education, but mostly about psychology, mm -hmm. social science neuroscience, philosophy, uh, even literature, like coding yeah. Dostoevsky, because like, like what I was going through is what many educators go through. It's like yeah. you have all these dramas of your life and your past and your childhood that often you don't get to really solve. You just hide them there thinking that they're just going to go away. Mm. And that it was a, collapse of that and all the problems that I was having as a principal. So sometimes when 
when you get a no, it's because you're closer to a yes. Mm, mm, I like it. All right. Dr. Martinez, the philosopher. We'll, we'll go there. The, the modern day Socrates, if you will. Uh, man, you're, you're super articulate, sir. I, I appreciate all the thoughts that you gave. And I'm going to plug this for you. If you want more words from Dr. Martinez, go listen to Wisdom and Productivity on your favorite podcasting platform. Um, this has been a wonderful episode for me, Dr. Martinez. Can you share with the folks where they can find you online? Yes, uh, you can go to wisdomandproductivity.com. Uh, you can uh, find me also in Teach Better. Um, on Twitter, I try to post uh, when you do good things, good things happen for not only for my the people that I lead, but also for students to see that no matter what your background is, it is your responsibility to make your future better. Mm. That's the whole entire effort to that. And uh, I'm, I'm around. Thank you. Thank you. I certainly appreciate it. Um, glad we got to connect for a second time outside the metaverse. And if you like this episode as a school leader, this man is solving problems for school communities. And if you need help doing that, hit him up, listen to this episode or share it with a friend that you know needs it in education. As always, thanks for listening. This is The Dash. Thanks for listening to us on The Dash Podcast. I definitely hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you liked it, share it with a friend, share it with an educator, share it with someone who needs to hear the message from this episode. You can visit our website, seleducators.com, to learn more about our online courses and professional development training for schools and districts. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash.